sometimes the dreams that you have and you want to turn into reality, people think it's silly. My mom is actually one of my biggest critics. She told me, how come you couldn't just go get a stable job? You're a very smart guy. You can probably land a six-figure job easily and stay there and retire happily ever after. I told her that's not the life I want. <laughs> and I already tried a stable job version for over eight years. I don't want to have regrets later on in my life. My dream for creating board games, speaking on stages worldwide or performing, whatever, it could seem crazy. All right, better than Rich Show listeners. This next guest really needs no introduction, but I'm going to go ahead and give one anyway. It is the man, the myth, and the legend, none other than Mr. William Hung. Uh, if you're wondering, how do I remember that name? How do I know that name? Uh, you'll remember She Bangs. Uh, from one of the, I think it was season one of the of uh, American Idol. And uh, William Hunt was a sensation. And really, he's been a sensation his entire life, is what I found out through this, uh, this episode. And it was really cool to hear about his journey, you know, from American Idol to the entertainment space. He spent some time as a professional poker player. He went back and got a day job. Now he's pursuing his passions, wants to start a, a board game and a mobile game. And he's uh, also just sharing his message, you know, uh, about resiliency and about, you know, just how to uh, be yourself truly and not really care what people think. Mike, what really stood out for you from this episode? Well, but the best part is when he sings and dances at the end. So uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's the best part, but I shouldn't say that. But that was awesome. I agree. What, what I what I really enjoy about this episode, listener, is you're going to see what, what I truly believe is what real authenticity uh, looks like and feels like. And you sense that from any video you watch on William Hung on YouTube, but we got a chance to experience it today. So check out this conversation with William Hung, American Idol, She Bangs. Uh, it's a, a very exciting episode. So here we go. Welcome to the Better Than Rich Show with your hosts, Andrew Biggs and Mike Abramowitz. The Better Than Rich Show helps ambitious leaders who are on a mission to leave the world better than they found it, change their perspective on what's important, increase their income and impact, and systemize their life and business. If you've ever struggled with finding your purpose, have felt disconnected or distracted, or found yourself going through the motions, this show will remind you that what you do matters and will re-inspire you to chase your highest dreams. It's time for you to become better than rich. Welcome back to the Better Than Rich Show. I am your host with Andrew Biggs. My name is Mike Abramowitz, and I am fired up to introduce you all to William Hung. And uh, William, welcome to the Better Than Rich Show, man. I'm so excited to have you here. Where are you streaming in from right now, by the way? I am from Las Vegas. Oh, nice. I know we got a chance to connect in Orlando at PodFest this past weekend. And it was really great just having a conversation with you. Obviously, we have your mutual friend, Chris Kermitzos. And I've known Chris for quite some time. And it was really fantastic just to see the journey that you've gone on over the last 20 years. And I'm really excited to unpack that because, frankly, I'm not an avid watcher of American Idol. I'm not an avid fan of the show or anything, but most people know She Bangs. Uh -huh. You really planted your flag. But what's so miraculous about what you've done uh, from that moment 20 years ago, over 20 years ago now, I think it was over 20, but I guess 20 yeah. years ago, and because they just had the 20 year anniversary thing. So you planted your flag and you and leveraged this audition to create this whole really 
an exciting journey that I really want to go through because you're talking TEDx. You've had over 100,000 views on your TEDx talk, turning failure into success. You have your, you've recorded a few albums, record albums. You have over 3 million views on different videos on YouTube. You've, you're being talked about on the Joe Rogan show with Jimmy O. You're being talked about and that, and, and, had 8 million hits on a, another video that happened, something else back when you were a sensation. You were revisited on the 20-year anniversary show. And I quote Ryan Seacrest, someone who put this show on the map, a legend. Wow. These are This is incredible, right? So William, we could go in a lot of different directions here, but I want to go back 20 years old. You go in for this audition. You're a civil engineering student. You have a passion for your music. You skip two days of school <laughs> to go on this audition. <laughs> take us back, man. I want to take us back to that moment, to that audition, You're sitting in front of Simon and Paula, and just like this whole experience, please. I started singing karaoke with my parents since I was 10 years old. I was doing pretty well in school until I hit a brick wall when I went to study civil engineering at UC Berkeley. Then one day I saw this poster for a school talent show and I decided to try by singing one of my favorite songs, Ricky Martin's She Bangs. I didn't expect anything, but somehow I won. That gave me the confidence to audition for American Idol. Yeah, you have to understand, you you have an infectious personality and you, for you to go on the show and I rewatched this a few times. Like, we're probably going to sync it to this podcast. We need a face of the body. We'll talk to the editing team to do that because you showed up with just such a genuine excitement and authenticity that just shine through. Where a lot of people going to the show, they're hmm. like trying for this, I don't know, this claim to fame or something out, like demonstrate, demonstrate something. You were so unique. What do you think? And I'll kick it to you, Andrew. Like, what do you think was so unique? What, why did you go so viral? And why do you think so many people were drawn to this audition? And we're still talking about it. 20 years later, there's been, I don't even know how many, thousands, thousands and thousands of auditions. But for Ryan Seacrest to name you as someone that put it on the map and is legendary, why has this stuck so much? Why do you think? Most people get angry or upset after they don't make it to Hollywood but I saw it differently. I know most people will not make it to Hollywood. That's why I was able to stay positive and set a new example. That's so good, man. And I just admire what Mike was saying, your authenticity, your enthusiasm for life. And it really just shines through, especially if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see William's authenticity and enthusiasm. I'm curious, so why is that? Talk a little bit more about that. Most people get discouraged when they get the bad news, but you kind of said, hey, let me flip it on its head. This is an opportunity no matter what. Where did you get that sort of resiliency and that sort of strength? Talk about that a little bit. I watched and studied some of the auditions before I went on the show. I know that Simon is usually the mean guy, Paula is the nice lady, and Randy is the wild card. So when I auditioned, and then Randy held up this white sheet of paper to cover up his face and laughed throughout the audition. I knew that I probably was not going to Hollywood. Bigger that there's no reason for me to get to, how do say it? Don't take it personally. That's awesome. It sounds like you removed your ego from the equation, right? 
And so it's like, I don't need to take this personally. I can just have fun with it. And I, I wonder why it was such an infectious moment, though, to Mike's point. Why do you think the audience responded so much to you? Doll. They made a bobblehead doll after you. Why? There's yeah. not many American Idol people that don't make it to Hollywood have a bobblehead doll made after them. What would you say to that, William? I, have, I appreciate my fans for giving me so much support. I did not expect that because when I finished the audition, I thought I would just go back to school and be a normal guy again. So walk me through that moment. So you go back to school, you think you're going to be a normal guy. How did you realize you're not a normal guy anymore? Many classmates and even some of the professors wanted to take pictures and autographs of me. And I was like, what happened? <laughs> yeah. And this is at UC Berkeley at the time? Yes. And then soon after that, I got emails for invites to movie opportunities to some of the biggest talk shows at the time, like Ellen DeGeneres and Ryan Seacrest show. How was that experience? I haven't met anyone that's been on Ellen. I don't know if you have bigs, but well, Ellen has a pretty, that was, there's some of the biggest names in, in the history of the world have been on her show. What was that experience like? Or any of those like talk shows that you were on, any of the memorable moments, just like give, give us a flavor. Cause I don't know if any, I've never talked to anyone who's been on these shows before. Well, Ellen was very nice to me. I remember she gave me a gift. At the time, it was like an iPod. The iPod was still popular. And then I performed the Shake Ya Bon Bon on her show. <laughs> and people loved it. <laughs> That's awesome. I think what what's coming through for me even today is there's kind of unapologetic willingness to be yourself. And I think that if I were to tune into why I think people responded so much to you, it's kind of, here's a guy who sings karaoke. Here's a guy who sings in the shower, which by the way, that's what everyone does, right? Listen to the show. You sing in the shower, right? Maybe, maybe you're even shy to too shy to sing karaoke, but you want to, right? Trust me, you want to. Like everyone loves to sing and, and music lights up their world. I'm obviously a big music guy too. I got a piano behind me here. I love to sing as well, but Here's somebody who's just willing to just send it, right? It's a full send sort of mentality is what I sense from you. And you don't care what people think. I wonder you've since kind of taken this opportunity, being on American Idol and having this sort of cultural moment and then translating that into the TED Talk, into a message. It seems like you're going to be launching some additional projects and these sorts of things. So... I'm curious, what is the sense of that message from your side? And does it have anything to do with this concept of, hey, you know what, no regrets, and you're just supposed to show up and be yourself and don't worry what people think? Or what would you say to that? Yeah, that's been my mission in my life. I feel it's about finding your freedom by using your voice, inspire more people to chase their dreams in an authentic way without abandoning your responsibilities. How do they do that? Can you speak to that a little bit? We all have to start from the basic level of surviving, providing for your family and your loved ones first. But once you get beyond that, the doors are wide open. There are so many paths that you can explore in your life. Awesome. Go ahead, Mike. The title of your TED Talk was Turning Failure into Success. And in that talk, you talk about becoming a math teacher. You talk about working in the sheriff's office and like 
just this same mentality of I'm just going to work until where is this going for you now? Like right now, you look back on this journey of where you've been and you see where you're going. Who are you speaking to? Are you speaking to college kids? Are you speaking to entrepreneurs? Who needs your message? Who is it when you think about who you're when you're speaking to? Who is it that you're talking to right now? People that want to try something new in their lives, maybe like a life transition or trying out a dream that is not the conventional dream. Because, for example, like I thought that maybe I need to be an online coach. I tried that for a while, but that didn't really work for me. I made a little bit of money, but I wasn't fulfilled. It felt like another job, and I don't want another job. <laughs> because I worked very hard to save, to earn, to invest, so I can quit my job. And it, that took about eight years working for the government. And, and I mean, to muster up this courage, how might you inspire someone to have the courage that you to start something new? When you're in Vegas, you're performing on, a, on stages, like just in Orlando, performing and yeah. speaking. And this musters up a lot of courage, your whole story. If I had to figure out what your whole story is, sum it up in a one word, it's like just having the courage to pursue something, even if, not even an even if, just having the courage to muster up something. What do you say to someone who says, yeah, but not you. He doesn't know, understand my circumstance, or I don't know. I'm not. I don't have that. Is that? Is it just you're born with it? Like, how does someone find the courage that you're talking about and demonstrating? I don't think someone is born with it. It's more like combination of your life experience and how you handle the failures, so that you can learn a lot from that. I chased many different dreams. Like I said, I started in the college student, want to become civil engineer. I thought I could get a very good job. I'm set for life. That didn't pan out the way I thought. And then I went through entertainment. The first four years where I made pretty good money, I helped pay off the debt for my family and myself. But then the show business slowed down because let's keep it real. Any celebrities and artists is going to have a hard time keeping the same level of fame throughout their career. That's okay. Then I tried to date, get a day job. Maybe I thought I make okay money, good benefits. Maybe that's good enough. But I feel like I got such a long life to go. I got so much to give that hiding behind my cubicle isn't right. So that's another. So that's the, and then finally I got into the gambling world. So that's something I don't mention a lot, but I did. Right, it's part of my journey. I was a professional poker player for a while, for four or five years. But then I found that our players are getting better. The game's getting a lot harder. And I just don't have peace when I rely on gambling. And it led me to other pro gambling problems, whether it's chasing losses and other forms of gambling that I know I'm going to lose, sports betting or baccarat, or even going crazy in the stock market last year. When things were down, I felt terrible about myself. Maybe I need to gamble with, you know, with stock options and whatnot. And I really regretted that. So I tried so many different dreams. And what I learned from that is, is that what makes you happy when you get up every morning? What gets you excited? And now I finally figured out that I, since I love games throughout my life, I want to create a board game to help people achieve their dreams. I love that, William. I think what I'm noticing is this adventure, right? Your life is your life's an adventure. And for the listener who's listening right now, if you haven't made your life a thrilling adventure, what are you waiting for? And I think that's part of William, your message as well. And it certainly aligns with us here at Better Than Rich. 
to me about the gaming side, it was something that I noticed in the notes. By the way, I love playing poker too. I used to play a lot of online poker back in the big, the big heyday of all those things. I know it's gotten super sophisticated now and everyone's calculating the Nash equilibrium in real time. And yeah, like, it's nuts, man. You got to sit there and study for, you got to make it your whole life, right? In other words, to be successful at it probably now. Um, but I'm curious, you're taking this passion for gaming and then moving it into a board game. And you said that this board game has a purpose or a message almost behind it. Yes. Speak to that a little bit. Yeah, my vision for my board game is a combination of life, monopoly, and cash flow. Because that's that, that, that matches real life. Because money is part of the equation, but it shouldn't be the end goal. It's not like the most money equals the winner because that's not how real life works. There are the other factors like health and relationships should play a major factor. That's cool. Do you have a timeline on the release of this bad boy or where, uh, what are we talking here? Man? Not yet, but this is, there's no exact timeline, but I do have a vision and I feel mm -hmm. that I have something, I, idea that's compelling. I was able to make some new friends recently because of my passion. So I will continue to develop that idea. Fantastic. If Mike and I have some good contacts too. People with a lot of money and a lot of time sitting around. Maybe they'll want to do a passion project and a joint venture with you and get this thing into every supermarket out there, every Walmart and Target yeah. or whatever. What do you but feel like you Mike, need? What's coming up for you? Yeah. What do you feel like you need in order to get this from ideas in your head and just like workshopping it to get it into a product that is on the shelves? Like, what, walk, walk me through that. What do you feel like who you need or what you need or just move it forward? Maybe like a game designer, publisher, and maybe if it goes into the mobile app version, which I really would like to see, that then that maybe even a software developer. Fantastic. Yeah, I used to work with Supercell, who does Clash Clans. Oh, um, oh. Yeah, they were my good client of mine back in the day. And, and Clash Royale, Clash Clans, Heyday, all those guys, and then a few other big mobile gaming publishers as well. So yeah, I'll at least maybe make some introductions for you, brother. I'll put it on the to-do list. No promises, of course, but yeah, um, hey, this is cool. You also are starting a podcast. What's the idea there with the podcast? My idea for the podcast is to help people chase their dreams. There are a couple of popular podcasts about chasing dreams. I think they seem to have hot faded, meaning that they're not active right now. So maybe I can continue that mission somehow. So that's my idea. I don't, I'm not sure when I will put it into reality. That's why when people ask me, maybe later this year, because it's not like the number one on my list. The number one on my list is I want to get started creating that board game to help more people because I love gaming. One of the very useful questions I learned from my friend is if money and resources is not an issue, what would you be doing? And I, I, would, I could play games all day, every day. With what you're doing right now, obviously you have these passions that you're pursuing. You said you're living in Vegas. Are you like performing in Vegas? Are you doing shows and stuff or or you just happen to be living there? I got a good deal to invest in a house there. You know, so that's and I also like the location because once I got past the first year of Sin City life, there's so much you can do in Vegas that's not gambling. You can attend the very useful conferences and network with people. You can create the life you want. You, there's a lot of outdoor activities, whether it's hiking, going on a boat trip, not, not too far from here. So there, even do like indoor skydiving, whatever, you know, so much you can do. Yeah. Is it a goal for you to do performances, get back on stage, yeah, entertaining it crowds? It is. 
that's part of it. So, so walk me through, what would that look like? So is it like going to business conferences and entertaining businesses? Or is it like going to a music hall and like filling up the stands like William Hung is performing his old albums? Or what is it that you see for taking shape on that? Because that's how people know you claim your claim to fame is yeah, she bangs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all of the above, because those opportunities... Yeah, I know I take what I can get, but it's by right, but it's but it's not so easy to get those opportunities regularly. The last three years, I transitioned my business into online model as well. I'm doing something called Cameo, where I would record fun, motivational videos for my fans. And is that the direction you're trying to go versus let's say entertainment route of let me dance and sing for you to let me take this moment to entertain you a little bit, but I also want to educate. And I want to inspire. Is that kind of the plan? Is almost like edutainment, like education, yes, yes, entertainment. I feel that it, that's the path I wanted. I've been wanting to focus on because some of my friends suggested that, like, why are you not trying to do the comedian route? A comedian has pros and cons. Every route has pros and cons. So the pro is that, yeah, the pro is that, like, if you're naturally funny. You can make people laugh like 10 times within a minute, whatever, right? Naturally, you want to measure comedy. And maybe that's for you, but that's not me. I know that's not me. That's not. That's just not natural. Yeah, I can get there. But if it's not naturally me, then why am I trying to force that? So I think going on the route of the entertainment and education at the same time makes more sense. What are some of the things that you've recognized you've either been directly in the entertainment space or been playing around with the entertainment space for a couple of decades now. What are some of the the more interesting parts or what are some things that you learned that you didn't know when you first got into the entertainment space? What would you say to that? I feel one of the most, I would say, hidden aspects of entertainment is managing the process behind the scenes. Speaking or singing on stage is like the reward. It's probably the easier part of the process. The hard process is building relationships behind the scenes, as well as managing risk by discussing and negotiating the contracts because they have legal implications. I'm really enjoying just this version because speaking just the unspoken, my my time of watching from, I don't know, I was probably, I don't know, we're probably about the same age. So when you were 20, I was probably about 20 and I watched uh, the American Idol and I saw it and it's like, this is a joke, right? Like this is, this is just to get some likes. This is just to, all right, let me show you how it's done to make a clown. But, and again, calling the shot like I see it, right? Yeah. And Simon said the same thing in that video. It's like, this was a joke. But your response to that, and I quoted it, is you said, I already gave my best and I have no regrets at all. And in my opinion, how genuine and authentic you were in that moment won over America. That's what won people over. And you're, you're right. Yes, the American Idol experience is what you're writing out. Is like, That's what you're like known, the dancing, the shebangs. But the authenticity of, I tried my best. You should also try your best. That's all I can ever do. That's the wind in your sail right now. And I feel somebody listening to our show and listening to our conversation, they have a fear that's holding them back to take the shot to demonstrate their actual best. But you took the shot to demonstrate your actual best, even though your actual best didn't really, it almost was a a joke to a lot of people. 
Yeah. What do you what do you say to this? What do you say to this? People like Joe Rogan is one of the biggest names in in the podcasting industry. Yes. Says this guy is mentally challenged. And you come back with a five to six minute video that has a ha- however many 50, 70, 80, 100,000 impressions of actually, Joe, I'm not. And here's my reasons on why. And this is like just so composed. So I'm trying to almost rally up even more of give our audience a flavor of the, of, of what whatever I'm asking. I don't even know if I'm asking anything, but just like, that's the context of what I'm looking for. I usually do not respond to criticism that is not constructive. But Joe Rogan is definitely a very a special exception because it's so prominent. And, uh, and then so many friends in my network ask me about it. And one of, one of them, she even showed me, oh my gosh, it's terrible. Uh, how you got to live with that? So that's why I responded to that one. I feel like it's not good to go in personal attacks against anybody in general. It's, so I want to defend myself by focusing on the relevant achievements, whether it's finishing my master's degree in business or, like you said, delivering multiple TEDx talks. But not everyone could just like brush off the millions of people that heard Joe Rogan say, yeah, this guy. And in the conversation also was like, what do they say? Set back. 10 years, yeah. Asian, set back Asians 10 years. This was heard by millions of people. So you got millions of people who know you as the she bangs guy. That yeah. was almost like a joke. Yeah. And then you, for a lot of people, and then you have millions of people here. Is he mentally handicapped? Did he set back Asians 10 years <laughs> in the entertainment space? And you're sitting here talking to us like pursuing a board game and I'm pursuing this podcast. And I had this whole life of that. You've inspired so many other people. So what I'm trying to pull out almost is how is this relevant to a listener right now for them to be better because of your life? Your dream is worth chasing. Your dream is not for sale. And your dream is not something that needs to match the society expectations of you. Your dream is not for sale. I'm just, I think it's a nutshell because I mean, like, absolutely correct. It's obviously what we teach here at Better Than Rich. And it's for a while, we... Now we have the catchphrase, leave today better than you found it. But it used to be chase your highest dreams. And it's what is your highest dreams? And then what keeps you from pursuing it? Obviously, it's some sort of fear, right? Yeah. People are afraid of something, whether they're afraid of ridicule, they're afraid of they're not good enough, they're afraid that what other people will think, they're fill in the blank, right? They're afraid to give up the comfort of their everyday life that they're experiencing right now. Listen, if you're listening to this, I want to encourage you to put a little William Hung into your life and to ask yourself, am I... willing to go and be unapologetic in how I'm approaching things. One of the things that I saw here that I wanted to ask you on, I'm curious about, you said mental health was something that you like to talk about. Can you speak to that a little bit? What is it about mental health that you like to speak on? And why is that important to you? Sometimes the dreams that you have and you want to turn into reality, people think it's silly. My mom is actually one of my biggest critics. She told me, how come you couldn't just go get a stable job? You're a very smart guy. You can probably land a six-figure job easily and stay there and retire happily ever after. I I told her, that's not the life I want. (laughs) And I already tried a stable job version for over eight years. 
I don't want to have regrets later on in my life. My dream for creating board games, speaking on stages worldwide or performing, whatever, it could seem crazy. Like you guys mentioned earlier. Wow, is this a, it depends on how you measure yourself. Because if you measure yourself with the traditional standard of having to hit every pitch for music, then yeah, of course, I don't qualify. I, 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 so I understand why I earned those one-star reviews from my critics. But maybe if you change the way you look at the situation, and it's okay, I'm in the entertainment. My goal is to bring joy to people through entertainment. It doesn't matter if I can measure up to the, that high standard of music. Maybe, you know, maybe the other, I'm always keeping it real. Maybe the other side, the flip side is that I don't, you know, I, I did take some singing lessons afterwards because I also don't want to sound so bad that people have to cover up their ears and run away. <laughs> that's how I, that's how I go about it. And then I'm sharing this one is because maybe the, if you're stuck and you feel like you couldn't move forward or you want to give up, maybe try to measure your success using a different lens using a different bar or metric. That's a nugget right there. Yeah, I love the idea of flipping the frame, right? Of, of what does success mean? And we're so preconditioned to think that success is a certain thing because it's just constantly promoted. At this point, it's just unconscious. We don't even know why we want things. We want them because that's what everyone told us we should want. And so <clears throat> really deciding, I'm going to define success for myself. Something else that you said that struck a chord for me was like, why don't you go get a stable job? You can get a, you're so smart, William, yeah. my little William. I want you to go get a a stable job and a six-figure career and sit in your cubicle. And you, you easily could do those things. You're obviously smart enough to do it, but that's not the life that you wanted to live, yeah. right? And so it's just so many times when we follow this sort of conventional advice, it doesn't get us what we want. And now we've just wasted 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Yes. And I imagine there's somebody who's around our same age who took that conventional advice and, hey, maybe... They're actually really successful by a lot of standards, but they aren't fulfilled. Their life wasn't an adventure. Yeah. And another message to you, if you are that person, is it's never too late, right? It's jump in now and act now and start making your life an adventure because, yeah, it's a little bit more volatile, but you know what? What do you want your life to be? Just only safe all the time? No, you should have a little skin in the game. So, Mike, I know you had a question about relationships and you wanted to pose a question there. What was on your mind? Yeah, I'm curious. You go from all the different chapters that you shared with us. I'd be curious on who were some of the mentors, like as far as relationships inside of Hollywood that kind of supported you or took you under the wing as far as managing intimate relationships on this journey, if that was something, just because that's something that we talk about with a lot of our guests. Who were some of the people in your life? I know you mentioned mom and I mean, we talked Ryan Seacrest and Joe Rogan, but who were some of the other people that were part of this journey with you, this experience with you? What type of roles did some of them play as you were navigating through, especially that four-year stint, recording the albums and being like a bobblehead dolls and like all that stuff? I started my music career with Koch Records. Now it's known as Entertainment One. So I'm always grateful because every part of the journey in my life happens for a reason. And then... I have so many unsung heroes in my life. My my friends, they've been amazing. Not every I couldn't stay in touch with all of them. It's just not practical. Like they supported me at different times when I needed them. And that's what's important. And awesome. you said Ryan Seacrest had you on his show. Did anything happen after that? Obviously, outside of American Idol and you hop on a show, is he trying to nudge you along or anybody, any of these individuals kind of like still like supporting this vision of where you're at and what you're where you're headed? If you're looking for something like specific shout outs to, to people, there are a couple of people I could think of. 
One of them, she's a pro- she's one of the producers for American Idol now. Her name is Megan Wolflick. And then the reason I want to give her a shout out was because she was a staff member that let me through in the beginning when I was standing in the baseball park with three thousand other people. If I if she didn't, because she didn't let me through, I wouldn't get to get a chance to see the judges and the producers. I wouldn't be where I am today. And then the other person would be Mike Esterman. He's not my official agent, but for some reason people think he is because we collaborated in on multiple projects in the past, like some of the big bigger commercials or performances. So yeah, I didn't really get mentoring or entertainment how to run the business. I wish I have someone that, that could help me with that. But I learned, I self-study. I I look at the news from all over the world relating to that industry. And that's how I protect myself, but grow really over time. Because one of the questions that that will help your listeners is I ask myself, what's the worst thing that can happen to you? What if everything went wrong for that project or or for that decision? What's the consequence? So for American Idol audition, the worst thing that can happen to me is I go back to school, be a normal guy. It's not that big of a deal. But some of the projects or opportunities I turned down, uh, I can't share specific details, but I know that sometimes the risk that, let's say sometimes there, there are people who say, oh, if you do this project, you can't be doing other projects. That's a problem. You may pay me a lot, but I don't like that. So, so that's something you have to weigh very carefully. And I don't regret turning those down, even though who knows what would have happened. I love that. And I love just this willingness to march to your own beat, right? And to say, I'm going to do things my way. And if you like it or not, I don't really care, but this is how I'm going to operate. Hey, this has been super fun. We always ask our guests, William, three questions just to get their sense and their flavor on these three things and to create some continuity. The first question is, what do you think the world needs most right now? Empathy and compassion. That's great. Thank you. The second question is, what are one to three books that you think people should read? Stories That Stick by Kindra Hall. Nice. What do you like about that one? So it teaches you how to tell your stories in a way that would impact people, persuade people to take action. But it's all, it, comes, it, go, it goes back to the way you frame the stories. Fantastic. Awesome. Final question. What does it mean to you? to be better than rich. Live with joy every day. Get up excited about what you do and then eventually get paid doing what you love. Well, shoot, this would be a perfect opportunity for us to give you a chance to perform if you want. I'm not saying you have to, but <laughs> hey, you want to you, you want to give our YouTube listeners a, a little taste of what it means to experience joy and sing and dance a little bit? What do you think? You up for it? Yeah, sure. Dance to the rhythm. Let the problems go away. Dance to the rhythm. Party every day. Dance, dance, dance to the rhythm. Let the problems go away. Dance to the rhythm. There's a party every day. Hey, hey. Oh, William. <laughs> Love it. That's oh, the first singing we've ever gotten on the podcast. So good, good job. Yeah, over a year's worth of episodes. Our first singing. I love it. So. That is awesome. William, where can people stay in touch with you if they wanted to learn more, they want to follow your podcast, follow you on Instagram? Where could they stay in touch with you? The best way for right now is Instagram, William Hung Official. You can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. 
my website williamhung.net is under construction so if you like you can send me a direct message drop my mailing list and i'll let you know when it's ready to go live that's great william we really appreciate you for your time and just the way you're, you've navigated life and inspiration that you've provided to so many. And thank you, William. Thank you, Andrew, for your time. And listener, thank you for your time as well. And as always, assuming this episode helped you, it's your turn. Pay it forward. Help a friend. Leave a rating and review. Subscribe on YouTube. And as always, remember, leave today better than you found it. Until next time. See you then. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from us, you can follow us on Instagram at better than underscore rich and join our Facebook group at the better than rich show. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to seeing you next time. And remember, leave today better than you found it. Do you want to win back 13 to 37 hours of your week every single week? If you do, uh, please join us. We are going to be teaching the foolproof method to identifying the bottleneck in your business and teaching you how to resolve it. We're going to teach you all about our three epiphanies around systems. Mike, where can people learn more and tell them about the, the program? Well, you're going to want to go to AutomateDelegateSystemize.com and you will learn our three epiphanies, which is automation sequencing, how to delegate and use a virtual assistant, and how to step back as a CEO using strategic retreat. So again, go to AutomateDelegateSystemize.com. That's AutomateDelegateSystemize.com and get more information now.